Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for October 14th of 2017. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Welsh from HockeyHurts.com. This week on the podcast, we will catch up with the Pittsburgh Penguins, how they are doing so far in this regular season. Uh, they've had some really good and some not so great. So we'll talk about the hows, <laughs> the hows and whys. And whatever other uh, random notes we come across uh, through our discussions. It's been a really sort of quiet couple of weeks. You've got a few teams that are doing well that weren't expected and, and, and you know, a few teams that aren't doing well that's unexpected and you just sort of go, small sample size. Yeah, there's not much. Um, obviously cool to see Vegas go 3-0 and in, in the way that they've done it. It's, it feels like a good vibe. I mean, they considering everything that's going on, it's good. I mean, the roster's terrible, but it's a Correct. it's a nice start for the for the fan base and to generate the excitement. So it's a best case scenario, really. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. you've got to be stoked if you're the NHL. Absolutely. So, <laughs> shall we dive in? We shall dive in. Which part of Pittsburgh's bad play do you want to start with first? Uh, sometimes it's bad, sometimes it's good. They, I think three out of the, f- they've had five games, right? Correct. You know, they, they've been giving up a lot. And then in the Nashville and Washington game, they really clamped down and did a nice job. Uh, the, defensively. Um, the, th- I just wonder whether this team's going to struggle defensively in the back-to-backs, the way they're, sh- they're constructed at the moment because their superstars just can't be superstars back-to-backs every game anymore. It's just it's too old. The game's just too hard for them to do it. You're asking so much of Sid and Gino to carry the load at the moment that when they are slightly off, it gets nasty. Yeah, it, um, it's, it's not a fair standard for them to carry this forward group. The, it's the bottom doable six at is 25 just, to 26. It's doable at that age, but what are they? They're, over, they're both over 30 now. Sid just turned 30. Malkin's 31. Yeah, so this is fine when you've got, you know, the age of Conor McDavid on your side, but these guys don't. They need a, they need a bit more of a balancing out of their roster. Yeah, it's a lot for them, and they're still going to be really good. It's just... yeah. We know how scoring stretches go in the NHL. It's just that they've had two of the best, so it usually if one's down, the other's up, or they're both up. Rarely are they both down, but it's going to happen more often than it used to. And that bottom six forward group is pretty terrible. Yeah, it's it's tough to watch, to be perfectly honest. Like It gets really, really hard to... You sort of only want to watch half a game. yeah i um i was looking at the score sheet from the last game and ryan reeves played a whopping three minutes and you got i think scott wilson and tom kuhnhockel sitting up in the press box i thought not not that that what's that i think kuhnhockel played in the Tampa game didn't he did he oh yeah he made a nice save yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Anywho, you, did Archibald maybe is who I was thinking of? 
this Archibald and Wilson that's that still stands. The statement you're making still stands. Like, what are we doing in 2017 where you're playing a guy three minutes a night? Against the Tampa team. That On a back-to-back. The back end of the back-to-back. So my my thing here with this is it's like, are they playing Reeves to deter Callahan from doing Callahan things? Because I can't see how that's going to stop Callahan from doing Callahan things. And it's not a playoff game, so I can't see him doing it anyway. I Three minutes, unacceptable to, to have on a back-to-back rostering a guy against a speed and skill team. Yeah. It makes no sense. Nope. And I don't expect it to stop. But it should. It's it I think since our last podcast, Reeves had his uh that Nashville game that everybody lapped up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The game that made him a cult hero. Cult hero to the lowest common denominator fan, yes. Correct. Um he, Sid and Gino, took abuse that game. Right? Yes, yeah, yeah. Sid got hit in the head by Hartnell with Reeves standing right there. And he got in a it's... couple meaningless fights, and the crowd ate it up on a Saturday night. And he did score. I'm not going to criticize that. That was a good tip. It was a very good tip. But that's not going to be the norm. Like, the goals aren't going to. Be happening on a regular basis. Just look at him out there. He can't. He can't play. No, I think that's kind of what frustrates me the most about players like Reeves is that they become fan favorites and then to who though? I mean, really? No, it's the guys that call up the sports radio programs and all that sort of stuff. It's the guys that get uh... those assholes that listen to podcasts too. Those those assholes, right? <laughs> You know what I mean, though? Like, it's the Mark Madden common denominator. Oh, yeah. He, and, play, he, he plays and, people like a yeah. fiddle. Yep. And the thing is, though, he has influence in the people that are in Pittsburgh that watch the sport. I mean, say what you like, say what you will about him, whether you agree or disagree with the way he thinks with hockey, or whether he's literally just trolling everyone, what he says matters it has a say in what happens in regards to the way the fans of, of, of pittsburgh think in the city and you know if he gets on board with reeves then you're going to be clapping that common denominator again and again and the, the, the game of hockey itself doesn't move on the club like pittsburgh who has all the reason to play high event hockey at the moment still gets someone like him on their roster to quote unquote protect a player and can't then the sport's never going to move forward. Yeah, I just I, the the three minute thing it it bothered me. It should. You're right. It's a back to back with a Gino that looked a little bit knackered, and then has even come out after that and said, "Yeah, I've, I've struggled to get up for back to backs at the moment." And it's like, okay, that's not great considering that you know somebody only played three minutes that should have at least been playing eight or nine on a fourth line. Yeah, eight or nine. I'm not looking for 15. But he also, that three minutes, that brings, 
And if you want to really get into it, I'm not a fan of penalty killing specialists, obviously. But, like, he's not even doing that. Yeah, he's not making up. He literally played three minutes of garbage five-on-five hockey. So, I mean, that seems a little bit... Again, it's the fourth line. It's not the make or break in October, but it's something worth paying attention to. Uh, is he going to dress every game? If so, how many of the games are going to look... I mean, Tom Sestito gets more minutes when he gets in. Yeah, that, that's weird all in itself. Yeah, the sooner that experiment dies, the, the better, but I'm not holding my breath. I... <sighs> Just frustrates me, you know. You've written a couple of really good pieces in regards to the fact that Pittsburgh don't have the players on the roster to play a low-pace game. They're better off when they are playing high-pace, high-event hockey, because fundamentally they've got some players that can finish the high-event stuff. And as soon as they get into situations where those players get off the ice, the pace of the team slows down substantially. And they inevitably end up bleeding shots. I'd rather have them shooting stacks and bleeding shots rather than not being able to generate anything but still bleeding shots. You know, I think Matt Murray's a fantastic goaltender, but you don't have to overwork him. And if this is the backup guy that they're going to have for the rest of the year, then Pittsburgh are probably going to be five or five to 15 points short of what they're used to. Um, yeah, I'm not. Uh, I was pretty skeptical of the Niemi signing just because his recent track record doesn't speak to expecting different. And that's not to say that he didn't have high danger chances just pouring at him. But what's he given up? Nine goals, eight goals, something in two games? Yeah, his save percentage is, is atrocious as well. But I think it's eight, low eights. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's almost sevens. That's, that's how low in the eights it is. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean, you can't... If you're going to play high event hockey, you got to have a guy not be 808 or whatever he is. Yeah. I mean, Pittsburgh's scoring over three goals a game, but they're giving up, obviously, because of the goddamn... 10 goal game, they're giving up like five, four, like 4.1 or something like that. And when you're counting a 10 goal game in there with five game sample, that's not yeah. terrible. It believe, no, 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 I know it, it really does blow out the numbers, but the two games where Pittsburgh gave up all their goals, Yemi played in. Oh, yeah. And this is this is a team that can score even with the, the shallow roster that it's got, but it's going to be hard to make up all those. And, yeah, of course, having Murray and Flurry was a pretty good situation, but that that was not sustainable, obviously. Flurry had your... to go. And yeah. I don't think the backup goalie should be compared to what Flurry did. That's not fair. No. no but you at the same time, I don't think it's out of the question to find a guy that hovers around average. Are you looking Are you looking for 900 or are you looking for, like, 915? 909 at all situations, 921 at even strength. Yeah. 
there's a lot of guys that do that. Yeah, there are. Hey, and the, um, the guy, I, I'm willing. I don't think Niemi will be on the playoff roster. To be honest. Well, it's one of those things for a guy like Niemi, and there are plenty of guys like this. He would no doubt be aware of, of that being the fact. It's a one-year contract. Pittsburgh can Pittsburgh can toss him. You I know, th- I think they, they will if this keeps. Yeah. So if theoretically, it doesn't get significantly playing, better. I think they'll pull the trigger on that. He's playing for his, you know, last crack at a, another cup, really. Because if it all flames out here, where's he going next? He probably wouldn't be a contender. No, doubtful. Um, but Tristan Jari should. Uh, I know they want him to play more down in uh, Wilkesbury, and that's fine. I get it, but it's gonna push is gonna come to shove, and I think they'll have to call him up. Well, you can't lose. You can't just keep bleeding points on your back to backs. Well, they but lead the league in back to backs too, so it's not like Jari wouldn't play. This is an yes. old school Mark Andre Fleury seventy game free for all. Yeah, it's not Cam Talbot in Edmonton. They, they Jari to have to play. I would play Jerry. Well, I'd play the backup about 30 games. Because I want Murray to be able to be fresh as a daisy coming into the end of the year. You know, and he's had a few bouts with some injuries. Yeah. Look, the way this team plays, they're going to have to ride Murray playing hot in the playoffs if they're going to want to win it all. Well, the Um, final roster is not... No, I realize that, but even with whatever they do with the final roster, they're still going to rely on Murray being above average. They bleed just too many shots. I can't see them. I can't see that part changing, even with an improved third line, and then better depth on the fourth line. I still think they're going to bleed shots, and they're going to bleed good quality chances. I think there's room for improvement there if they get a. uh, It really all boils down to the one trade. Yeah, they either win that or they lose that, and it's either a three-peat chance or it's all over. Personally, I I want to get back to splitting Sid Gino and Phil on three separate lines. I don't think Phil does enough to style-wise to really compliment Gino at times. They, they both want the puck on their stick. That's that's when they're at their best. The, the, when the play goes through them, they're at their best. And it's really hard to have guys like that in a five-on-five situation. So, like, you get a... I'm just going to throw a name for the sake of yeah. a discussion. Like, a Tyler Bozak-style third-line center that is capable of producing offense and has certainly holes in his game, but that, you know, that is what it is. Yeah. You put Phil on that line and then the drop from Phil to whoever replaces him isn't going to be like, it's not going to kill Gino. You spread the talent out and it, I think it, I like the 2015, 16 setup a lot better than the one last year. I mean, theoretically, they do have some young guys in Wilkesbury that could come up and fill that spot that Phil would leave. Is he strong, scoring a lot of power play goals? <laughs> I, I really want to see 
even strength production from him in the AHL. That's that's the thing he, he's going to need. Because he's not getting power play time. No. No. Maybe so he's going to find the spots, doesn't he? Five on five. And I, you know, I haven't been following the Baby Penguins that much. They just started to. Um, yeah. But Aston Reese is going to have to be a point-per-game player down there for me to feel confident that he's going to be an impact player. It is funny that so many things have to go right for you to for you to win, and the further and further away from your from the prime your best players are, the harder and harder it is for them to cover the hole that you've got in your roster. I mean, they got a <laughs> gift with Gensel. He's oh yeah, up. and and even Sherry has been putting up points even on the third line. Oh, why, why does he get punished so much? That's what it feels like. It doesn't feel like... I don't think this one's a punishment. And I think in the playoffs it was injury-related. I just think they know that third line was so bad that they could bump him down to give uh, some speed to that line. Because at the time, wasn't Hornquist the, the right winger? Oh, I think... Um, I think so. And the deal that I've always had with Hornquist is it's a double-edged sword. He's only really going to be worth it to the team if he's in the top six. But he drives me bananas with the non-controlled plays. Sure, like he, on the power play, he, he was in the mix around the net and they had three power play goals. But I'm not so sold on the fact that it was a unique to Patrick Hornquist being there as opposed to Gensel. It was, they got the puck to the net area and let guys battle for it. And, you know, I think Jake Gensel's proven that he's he's just fine there. You know what I it's, mean? Uh, look, visually, Hornquist looks like one of the hardest-working players out there on the ice. But Gensel... No, but the thing is, like, Gensel has... Just as good a result, if not better, on the power play and at 5-on-5 by being smart. He screens just as well as Hornquist does. He just makes sure that he doesn't get pounded while he does it. it it's it's literally a stylistic thing, I think, when it comes to Hornquist and Gensel. It's like if they want to feel like they're going to be rough and tough out there, throw out Hornquist. If they want to get there and look like they're freaking, you know, skill coming out the wazoo, Put Gensel out there. It's just, I, I literally think it's a visual thing when it comes to people trying to evaluate those two players. And, and you know, I think Gensel's already better than Hornquist. Um, it's just that Hornquist has that. It's not you know, really that close either. No, and but Hornquist always gets that. I just Hornquist annoys me. I think is what I'm just suddenly starting to work out. I don't like how he plays. I don't like the type of hockey that happens when he's on the ice. And this is sounding pretty harsh. He does create some things through the havoc. Oh, he does. It's one of those things. I'm not saying that he's not um, effective at what he does. I just don't enjoy watching it as a fan. I don't find... Uh, there's a there's a skill in swinging your stick at pucks that are underneath feet and all that sort of stuff and actually making contact. But how is that 
better to watch than watching Jake Ensel do a flyby with his stick down on the ice and tipping a puck past a goalie. I don't. I, I don't think they're comparable. They're not, but my main, I guess, um, what I wanted to get out of this was he he can't be on the third line. But what's the point? Can. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yep. his numbers with Benino last year were terrible. Now, Benino owns more of that than Hornquist. But I do think Hornquist is in his 30s and quality of teammate driven more than people want to admit. I mean, he's been gift-wrapped Crosby and Malkin minutes since the day he showed up on the team with top power play or top power play minutes as well. And the, and the samples we have, which isn't that big away from those two, not great. I mean, he was hurt in the playoffs, so certainly not holding that against him. In fact, so hurt that he didn't even start the season on time. No, no, no that's wrong. He scored, he scored the game-winning season goal with a fucking hand that was in shambles. But that even that goal is like sums him up. That like he didn't pick a spot. It was just no. random chance. And and there's there's value in what he's he a volume got. guy. Yeah. And, and the problem, if you're going to go and say that, the current bottom six that Pittsburgh have got, he's not going to get, get the volume. volume. You know what? That's the best way to put it. He needs volume to be successful. Sid and Gino create that volume for him to be successful. While he's not going to get that volume uh, other ways. Where no, Sherry can be a one-off on a rush, on a fast. He can carry the puck and, and do that stuff where Hornquist is station to station and needs... Um, just the puck. He needs other people to do work with the puck to get it to his spot, and then he'll get to work. He's just a bad passer. <laughs> so, he's just but he's back up with. Uh, was he with Sid? Because I've never liked the Russ Sid thing. That said, though, Russ is producing at the moment when they do do that. Oh, Russ is playing good hockey. I just um, I would bump Russ down to that third line if you're going to put Sheary there and bump Hornquist up with Gensel and Sid. And now, you know, I've not seen enough of McKegg to feel strongly at all about anything, except that he's a decent enough skater. But you got Sheary and Russ on your wings. That's not too bad. No, you've got something to do. And you put a real third-line center there, bump McKegg down and get Rowney the hell out of there. You know, there's there's potential for the roster, but I don't know what they give up to, to get the third-line center at this point in time. I Honestly, man, if they could move Haglin, because he doesn't well, do you shit. You look at the... You look at the cap room that would be needed, it would have to be someone like him. Because I know they've got space, but the guys that are going to make that um, dynamic changing shift for the club are all going to cost between, you know, four and six. And you're going to have to give up 
you're going to have to give up futures for it as well. Like, you might have to bleed a sprog or someone do something crazy like that if you're going to do it, or give up a lot of first or second rounders in the next couple of years. Oh, but, those those are going to be gone. And this is the thing. They're going for a three They just gave up a first rounder for Ryan fucking Reeves. <laughs> so... Is he going to become the new Brandon Sutter in the sense that whenever he said it's drink, no, is he on your drinking no, rule? No, I don't. But uh, it's. I don't think they're going to be making too many early draft selections in the next few years. No, and I. It's, Who's the, for, how many first round picks have his Rutherford made? Well, with Pittsburgh, not many. I don't think he's made any. I think there's got to be one. Was Sprong... Oh, he was a second rounder, wasn't he? Sprong? Yeah. yeah, he was. Yeah. I can't re- I can't think of it off but the as, top of my head, but... As a point fan, stands. Yeah. As a fan, though, I'm okay with them giving up those to go for the 3 P. I I mean, you get there and go, if they get a 3 Oh, I'm, I'm good with it. You just got to make sure you, you hit on a, a few Gensel, Shiri, and Russ along yeah. the way. Which they did. And the thing is, though, when it becomes apparent that the core talent that's driving this push is over the hill, you've got to try and move them on. Like, the only two, I, the only person I can see them not ever trading is Sid. That's it. I can see Latang going. I can see Malcolm going as well. And as I, much as I the, don't see that, I see Malcolm <sighs> going back home. I don't see him leaving for another. So if that's the case, Pittsburgh end up with nothing back for him, and they end up in the, you know, the Sedine situation. The yeah. Yeah, the, but you know what? We're not there yet. They're they're in the middle of a three P. It's a it's a way away, but that's what's going to happen. It's how you recover those. You know what? That's the price of doing business the last thirteen Correct. years. Then yep. so be it. Because how many teams get to have? that now depending who's at the the helm you can lessen the blow of exiting out of the sid gino era correct it doesn't have to be a complete gong show where they're uh you know the edmonton oilers from the last decade it's just smart recuperation of those assets you give up just find a smart way to, to get them back um, as you go through that downward slide of those guys being ridiculous. Yeah, I get lucky in the draft. Uh, Pretty much. The way this league is set up, you got to get lucky in the draft. And they're not going to be tanking anytime soon. And even if you tank, it doesn't really work anymore. Ask Colorado. <laughs> yep. Hell, even Vegas, the new franchise. What were they, the six overall pick or some garbage like that? Not a bad year to only get six, though. No, but you come into the league and you have, like, really good odds, as good as anybody for, like, the first, and you drop all the way. The six, yeah, it doesn't help. I get what you're saying. So it's random chance at the draft where you select now. Um, restricted free agency uh, prevents teams... Pittsburgh's biggest thing to transition from Sid and Gino will be if they get rid of restricted free agency. 
then you can get more clever in recuperating talent. Be interesting to see what happens at that next CBA, whether they do get rid of that or not. Every Penguin fan should be rooting for the RFA status to go the hell away in the next five years. <laughs> and and yeah. really everybody in general, because these, these kids coming into the league should have a little more say in their career than they do. Yeah, it'd be nice to see, but I just, I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm not expecting it to change, but we've, we've talked about that a lot, and uh, I'm not budging off of that stance. No. So, another thing I had written down, I got uh, Justin Schultz on here twice. <coughs> Shall we go power play or even strength? Go on the PP first. Okay. Um, I'm not an anti-Latang on the power play person per se. Yeah. I think he's wonderful in assisting the breakout and controlled entries, which is huge on a power play, especially a, a skilled one. If you can get set up, you know, and get more looks, that's obviously good. The problem I have is he is never, his body language never tells me I'm shooting. And it needs to. It doesn't always have to shoot. I'm not looking for him to just be firing blindly like Brett, Brent Burns. But everything you watch, it's I'm deferring to the Gino or Phil. And the penalty killers don't respect the shooting lane anymore because they don't have to. And yeah. now you have a perimeter power play. And Latang, <laughs> he's an amazing skater. When he gets the puck from Phil on the left point, he should walk that line hard with the puck in a shooting position and if you're going to put fucking Patrick Hornquist in front of the net, who literally will not contribute to the puck movement out there, you'd better fire some pucks towards the net. <laughs> like, that's if Hornquist is the guy, you need to have a shoot-first power play. Otherwise, I don't know what you're doing, because you're playing four against four at that point. <laughs> right? He's, he no, stands he... in front of the net. They don't no. even do that center ice passing outlet that they used to do with neil neil used to be the middle guy yeah yeah and, and when they got into trouble on the half wall they'd just do that quick little pass to the middle and he would one touch it back up top they don't even do that with really with hornquist he's literally in front of the net and it, and that's fine that's where they want him but shoot the fucking puck and Latang, for whatever reason and i'm not looking for slap shots just hard kneecap-ish level height to the net where guys can tip the puck down to, to bounce it or if they they catch it a certain way, have it go left or right because it's not an exact science all the time. Nah. But that my point stands even with Gensel in front. That guy's going to get a stick on everything. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So let him. He's, Sid's the best tipper on the team, but Gensel's really – showing some stuff on that front as well. So, Justin Schultz, he he'll he'll put it on net and he'll do it with one timers, which is fine. I like it. And you know what that's going to do? It's going to they're going to start the PK will respect 
the fact that Schultz is going to wind up and let it rip with the screen in front, and they're going to overcompensate. And now Schultz can fake a one-timer, put it back in Gino's wheelhouse for that one-timer that I've missed <laughs> so much. But the reason it's not open is because Latang's never going to shoot, and they know it. Yeah. So the guy well, on the other side of the diamond is cheating up on Gino. It's the thing. Gonchar just was so underappreciated. He would walk the line, right? Yeah, and we do it. Shimmy. Yep, it was beautiful watching him and Gino work the the top half of the the top half of the power play. And yeah. you're exactly right. Schultz looks like he wants to shoot the puck. Latang can shoot the puck, but he wants to distribute. He kind of forgets that if you just he can distribute shoot, too, but he's not mixing and matching and no, enough. That, and that's the thing. He needs to shoot so that the like you said, they so they collapse in or collapse up to him at least. So then Phil or Gino are free to shoot the puck in. And not only that, they know Phil's not going to one time it. So the penalty killer on that side can can cut off that um, back door down low if like Sid's roaming around. Yeah. The, the guy on the side on Phil's side can sag back into a passing lane. And let Phil get the pass from Latang, knowing there's no one-time potential, and that he's just going to curl up and around. So they have time to uh, react to that little sequence. And yeah, once in a blue moon, Phil curl and let that snapshot go, and it might find the back of the net. But probability says that's really not going to be commonplace. So they get to take away all the most dangerous passing lanes and keep them on the perimeter. At least that's what I'm watching. I don't know why they now, don't. Mind you, they, they scored three power play goals the other game, but um, all of them had uh, just basic shots to the net. Not Nothing spectacular. It was very minimal. wasn't like a gorgeous Yeah, situation. I know. It wasn't bang, bang, bang. I know what you're saying. I don't know why they don't run the power play through Phil more often. That means, that means Seed can hang off the side of the net and do the tip work and the little stick work that he because does so well. he's not as good on the wall winning puck battles. He doesn't win a puck battle, no, but I make the argument... That's not his thing, and I get it. But when... I mean, I want Sid down low, but when he's on the half wall, you know the, there's not going to be a turnover. No, and that's Unless, the unless he forces run. a pass on his own volition. And that's the risk you run with Phil. He... Puck comes over and a player comes to him. He, he does a good job. I'm not. I don't mean to be critical. No, no. no. It, he's not sitting. No one. Nobody is sitting. Regard maybe Jaeger in regards to protecting a puck along the boards, but he does get beat out on the boards more often than I would like when it comes to a one-on-one battle. But that that's sort of that's been him the whole. Yeah. Oh no, no. Run of his it's career just, and this is not new. It's just it's the it's that's the, the kind of criticism oh. that he got. In, like Toronto, when the yeah. team's not winning, oh, Phil's losing puck bet. And it's like, yeah, those look bad, but how many guys are actually winning those battles? Yeah. No, no, I know. It's, it's more the than they're not. Of... It's, it's, <laughs> Sid makes it look easy, but it's not. No, it's the cost of doing business for Phil Castle. It's just, that's one of his negatives as, as, of a player. You just know that's the place. I just, I just think with how good a passer Kessel is, I wouldn't mind them running it through him because he could set up Schultz for that. That said, Gino's a great passer. 
So he's just hoping that. Yeah, <laughs> they're he all great passers. Here's just exactly. He's just hoping that Schultz's shoot first mentality. It should always run through Phil on the five on three. Latang should do exactly what I said on a five on three. Walk the line hard, pass it to Phil, who curls all the way up to the blue line because the mm-hmm. five on three penalty killer will not follow him up that far. He gets to gain momentum, and it's either a snapshot or a fake snapshot deflection uh, with Sid stick somewhere. <laughs> and he can score from the top of the circle on a snapshot. Yeah. With if you want to put Hornquist out and just leave him in front on a five on three, I'm down with that because Phil should be curling all the way up. And guess what? If a guy follows him on a five on three up near the blue line, good. <laughs> just drop it down low. And now you got a, a at minimum of really good looking two on one down low somewhere. I don't know why they don't run that power play on a five on three every single time. Or four on three if it's uh, overtime or something like that. I saw another team doing it. I forget who it was. They did the curl. And uh, PK guy didn't follow him. Got a really great look. I don't think the team scored, but it was a uh, great chance anyways. They're you do that over and over again, you, you're you're cooking with fire. Nothing you've said there is brand spanking new, right? Nothing. It's no, it's basic. Sometimes it feels like, the coaches in the NHL are trying to reinvent the wheel. Yeah, you just got to play to your personnel strength. And Phil's strength isn't stationary one-timer. It's moving, getting momentum for the snapshot. So you got to create those situations if you want him to be a trigger man. Like you said, because though, if a guy steps up into his shooting lane... It's because they are afraid he's going to shoot, and he's so skilled at passing, it opens up a passing lane, and he's smart enough to decipher and read and react. And that's why, um, and that's where I think Phil's at his best on a power play. Not the, not when he's still on that circle, not really doing much, but he moves around a lot. He does move. Yeah, he so. just he does get puck watching sometimes. Yeah, we all do. Oh, no. But it's Phil. So you know how much worse it is if it's Phil. Um, So those are my thoughts on the power play. Uh, Still a good power play, uh, but when you got that kind of talent, I want to see it being maximized if we're going to have struggles at 5v5 half half of the game. While the league is throwing them out like candy, you've got to take advantage of the power plays. Yeah. Because they might not be there in 10 weeks' time. Some people are complaining about it. I have no problem with it. I wish the interference stuff would get called a little more. Yeah. But, hey, if the slashing goes away, we won't need the power players because the guys will be able to do cool stuff five on five. Depending on the interference, yes. Well, yeah. Very good point. Um, so I said Schultz down twice. We We went on a power play tangent there. A little bit. So, what about his five on five year? So I have him him written down, but it's really an Alimata point. What, why are they breaking him away from Schultz? Because Ian Cole got hurt. Uh, the top feeling... four should be set in stone right now, and 
that should be that. And you figure out the bottom pairing on any random night. So is he playing with Ruil? Yeah. Okay, so they have the opinion of Oli Marta that he is the play driver. He's not. He's not, and it's short. He's never been. As soon as you take him away from a quality player, he ends up being a mirror of the other player. That's the problem. He's putting him with Latang, and fundamentally, if Marta's healthy, he's probably going to be quite good. It's like the Niskanen thing when he first came into the league. As soon as he has to be the the more senior player of the two, the one that's supposed to be doing all the work, that's just that's not Marta's game. He's a Putting chameleon. Short, he's good. He blends. He's never going to be a play driver. I'm very happy to see that he's getting offensively rewarded because that was always his thing early in his career. Yeah. was that yeah. really good uh, even strength production, and that fell off a cliff. For a multitude of reasons. Mostly Trevor Daly last year. I mean, that was a miserable pairing by any measure <laughs> possible. I don't even care. You, I test whatever stats you want. That was a terrible pairing. And then you get the early returns on Schultz and Mata. And they've been good. In fact, I think they had a point each, the one game, but it was on the power play. They didn't play at even strength. So I want to see them together. I want an extended look at that. Put Mata in a position to contribute. Not only succeed, but literally contribute. Because bottom pairing, or I don't know how they're... The first pairing is obvious. With call out, I don't know which one is the. I guess anything with Schultz would be the second pairing, but. We are frightfully thin on the blue line. So Schultz is playing with Hunwick? Yep. How the fuck does that make any sense? It's just the. I still don't understand the Hunwick signing, anyways. No. The only ones that do are the coaching staff, and maybe even they don't, and Rutherford. Because I'm looking at that, and I'm not seeing, what's he make, two mil? Are you not smelling what the rock's cooking on this one? I just, um, you could get similar production from a league minimum contract and have that cap space for that. All the cap space you need to be, um, you know, saving up for this trade. You don't know. Like, what if something comes out of left field? Somebody like Gelchenyuk or, you know, something crazy, like unforeseen, and you're dicking around because you don't have the extra mill. Like, that stuff matters. It's Even Ryan Reeves is a half million wasted over the yeah. minimum, right? Isn't he 1.1? I think so. You're bleeding money. A million and a half in cap space. And not really... You're not getting anything for that million and a half you spent over. And in Reeves' case, you're getting negative value. Yeah. it's Like, Hunwick could probably be serviceable, but I don't understand the premium. Well, that's the thing. <clears throat> the, the argument isn't that Hunwick 
shouldn't be in the NHL. And the argument's not that Hunwick shouldn't be on the Penguins' roster. It's what Pittsburgh are paying him to be on the roster that's the problem. And I don't think you could have explained it much better. What he's what he's being paid is taking away from Pittsburgh's flexibility to be able to fix that third-line slot. It's something to pay attention to, um, given the changes in the front office. It'll be interesting to see the cap management moving forward because there was a specific individual that was completely running that show on his own for quite a number of years. Because you... You do have to, um, you do have to make sure that you're not. There's no wiggle room for these teams that are at the pointy end of the expectations of winning the Stanley Cup. You don't have much flexibility in the cap. I mean, not everyone's sort of set up like Nashville, where they've got cap space to burn at the moment. Pittsburgh are right up against it. Um, they're they're not in a bad spot. No, 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 but the flexibility-wise, it's just not there. And most of the it, teams... It is if you get rid of a Haglin. Yeah, but you've still well, got to you get... you got to find a taker. You've, yeah, well, and that's that's the thing. And it's like you've got an extra 1.5 mil if you don't have the Reese contract and you, you pay Hunwick what his production's worth, not what the fact that he's a X amount of years in the NHL defenseman. That's what they paid him on. They paid him on the fact that he's been in the NHL for X amount of years, and we need some we need some more NHL kilometers in our in our back six because we're a little bit green, a little bit thin. And it's just uh, frustrating. Yeah, we'll see. That's uh, I know people outside of Pittsburgh don't give a shit about this third line center stuff, but it's just hanging over the team. It's there every day. And that's the thing that's funny about you saying that because one of the solutions to that problem is Matt Duchesne. And everybody cares about what's going to happen with him because it's going to change another team's fortunes severely wherever he ends up. I don't have a clue what's going to happen there. I just know that Colorado's probably not going to win out on the deal. No, Exactly. Yeah, it's at this point, it's going to be tough for them. Hey, not they, not they, impossible because he is a legitimately good asset. Yeah, but you know maybe Colorado don't get to the point where you make players like that upset. Or maybe they just keep winning at an eighty percent clip and dominate the central. And don't trade him at all. Yeah, maybe Vegas will win the President's Trophy too. <laughs> and the Devils will keep scoring goals. Or maybe none liked, of it will happen. <laughs> I like the fact that teams are scoring, though. I like the fact... Ovi's got a bazillion goals in, like, five games. It's awesome. Like, yeah, he's at eight, right? He had 32 last year. He's already he's got, 25% of the way there. I think he's actually got nine in five. Okay, so he's... A 36-goal year would be solid for anybody. Maybe perceived low for him, but I still think that's a solid total for him. And he's already a fourth of the way there, and we're... Oh, no, it's amazing. A week and a half, two weeks into the season. Yeah. You know, I hope I hope we end up with a, a higher goal scoring year this year. I don't care whether it's all through power plays or whatever, but it would be nice to see some goals against averages go up, 
And if that's just from pure shot volume being hard... Well, not every team can sign Niemi. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, you smartass? You know, look, this is the thing. If it's higher volume of shots that people are getting, then you'll see the quality of goalie reflected in their save percentage anyway. So if the goal's against average... No, it's, all, it's all relative. There's going to be... A, there is always a league average. You just base it on how the goalies are compared to that average. I know, but you go and compare them to their previous years. If everyone's goals against is suddenly... Mer- uh, Nick Mercadante's stat is a great one for this. Yeah, it doesn't matter Mercadante's what the actual save percentages are. When you can measure it relative to the average, you can yeah. understand who's on the upper tier and who's not. But, yeah. I'd love yeah. to see those goals against averages go up. Yeah, it's... Uh, been nice to see uh, Ovi and pumping them in. There's been some fantastic goaltending in amongst that. It's not like the goaltending's gotten worse. I mean, one of the reasons Jersey has been winning their games is that Corey Schneider has been Corey Schneider until the game they just lost. So yeah, I wonder. In in you know, this might be one of the last years he is that way. He's older than most people think. Yeah, I don't, well, that's what happens when you get buried. It's amazing his career it was as delayed as it was because the, the Canucks wasted a lot of his really young, good years. They just never got anything back for him either. Like. Well, besides the point, but that's another RFA yeah. example of someone getting fucked over that should have been playing and having more control and say over where they play. I mean, he went from not being played enough in Vancouver, finally getting the job, and then getting traded to to the fucking Devils, who were terrible. And now they're they're building back, but his great goaltending is, what's the point? You know, he was the backup to Brodeur, right, in that cup run. They play Schneider and not Brodeur. They win that. Was he the backup that year? Okay, so that, and the team was that, the, obviously you make the final, even if you're flawed. You, you're good. You're not. Yeah, that's a, the a team, terrible team. You, you I forgot there, about that, but but it's still a bad situation for him. A wasted year. The, the, he went from being, you know, a, he went from being a backup to a Canadian goalie in Vancouver. It's getting the starting job, then you know, basically just getting dumped out of. Vancouver to then having to be a backup again to a washed up Canadian goalie. Like there was no way Brodeau should never have should never have gone through that cup run. They carried him. He wasn't the... he wasn't bad on that cup run if I recall correctly. But no, he was not the better goalie on the run. Too often, yeah. And the year after he was bad. Yeah, that's I know when he really started to. I know it's tough when you've got someone like Brodeau, like what they had with. Pittsburgh with Fleury, that you sports is ruthless. You can't let your emotions and historical relevance get in the way of some of these decisions, and that's really hard. So you know, and you're right, Schneider's just oh, poor guy. They should have traded him. Yeah. To speed up the rebuild because his goaltending. Obviously, it wasn't good enough to keep him from getting the first overall pick. <laughs> no. So if if you're not 
you know, moving the needle enough to, to win games, what's what are you doing? You're sitting on an asset that what you get back would be more valuable than what you're getting. And that's not a slight on Schneider. In fact, the opposite. Yeah. So I know I've said that a bunch of times, but I think the Devils really missed a, a great chance to speed the rebuild up by moving a player like Schneider. And he's the kind of goalie that has, you know, we talked about him being a backup for a long time, but his name rings out now. Somebody would he's, pony up. He's got value. You get some good gear back for for that boy. I mean, he, took, he was he was a top ten pick going to the Devils, and I I think he still carries some some value around there to somebody because yeah. GMs do not still haven't mastered that goalie thing yet. No, I might I actually watch like, the Devils a little bit this year. I like Nico. That was uh that was absolutely the right pick. Yes, 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 yes. I don't know if he's playing with Hall or not, but that would be fun. No, I'll need to. It's one of those things where I've got I've got things that I want to watch. Like I'm going to watch the the Golden Knights, obviously because of the flurry thing. But you know, I want to see some Edmonton stuff. I want to see what the hell's going on in Winnipeg because they're just it's just a lot of a lot of fun talent on that team. Yeah, and just to see whether they get it right or Toronto not. is a must-watch for me. Yep. There's so finally... Who's, re- who's replacing the Devils for me? Because I, in years past, had negative interest in watching that team. Yeah, you, you were not what I would call glowing on that franchise. <laughs> but I'll... You know, they keep building up guys like Hall and, and Nico. And I say Nico because they... Still haven't figured Still out. Still can't get the, yep. What, <laughs> what is it? Oh, somebody sent it to me on Twitter. Hishé? Hishé? It'll be already somewhere. I'll somebody will uh, message us. I'll find it. Somebody will give us a YouTube link. Listen to this, you dummy. Pretty much. Roughly so. Maybe maybe Todd Cordell will scold me. <laughs> he should. He should be scolding yeah. both of us. So that's pretty much what I had for <clears throat> topics. We kind of briefly spoke about Vegas uh, at the beginning and a little bit. My brother was at the opening night. He's got season tickets. Actually, good tickets. He's on the blue line. Pretty. It looked to be second level-ish. So he's got good seats. That'd be good. Yeah, it'd be good viewing up What there. a great thing to, you know live in Vegas, and if you're a hockey fan already, you grew up in the Northeast, and here, here's an NHL team. Have fun. Yeah, I think, it'll be, a big, I think it'll be a big success there, and I never understood the negativity with choosing Vegas as a location because you have endless corporate support that will always keep the team afloat financially. And it's just a cool thing to have for people visiting. As a, and I think they will win the locals over eventually. So, yeah. No, Vegas will be Vegas will work. President's Trophy will help. <laughs> yes. Will they ever lose? 
probably tonight. <laughs> I don't even know who they're playing. Doesn't matter. The roster's fucking terrible. Oh, and because they're suppressing their own roster for reasons unknown. What are they afraid of? Putting one of their shitty defensemen on waivers and get taken? Yeah, get whoa, Shea whoa. Theodore up there. Get Shipchanov. Uh, that's another name I have no clue. Why is he in the fucking AHL? I know why he's there, but that does that. I'm not accepting that as a tolerable <laughs> reason. He's one of your most, most skilled guys. You signed him at four and a half mil to play in the NHL. You're afraid of losing who to waivers. Yeah, who can't you lose to waivers, Vegas? Give but me a fucking break. It's that it's that GM. I'm telling you, GM. They GM. needed they needed to they needed to go and look at it differently, and they didn't. They were too scared. Yeah, that was a terrible hire. They should have went with Botterill. Oh, it's Heeshier. Heeshier? Yeah. Heesh. Heeshier. I got to learn it because I like him. <clears throat> I should learn it anyways out of a respect factor, but yeah. As a I'm general gonna, rule, I'm going to yeah. need it because we're going to talk about him because he's fun. We can thank Lindsay Stefan for that. <laughs> Back on yeah. the 28th of September, I think it was the podcast where you came up with Nico that'll do us so thank you Lindsay so um, yeah Vegas needs to not do that anymore like look at (laughs) oh man I cannot believe those two are in the AHL there is no logical validation for it this isn't like a sly roster management strategy he's literally afraid of losing a replacement player involuntarily keeping better players buried and he's not getting any cap relief like that's not a that's Shipchanov or is making four and a half mil regardless of where he's playing I don't yeah I he's rushing that might be an interesting little trade target. Give him Haglin. It be yeah. a, uh, there's risk to that move because he doesn't have an NHL sample, but that's the kind of style of player I would go for. I don't want a defensive third line center. I want to put Phil down there and let let a third line rock and roll scoring wise. That is something that worries me. That whoever they get there, if it's not yeah, someone, it's, it's going to be the Brandon Sutter mold, isn't it? It's going to be somebody that's there. We just want to get there and shore up our third line and make sure that we don't bleed shots and we shut down the other team's first line. That's what they're going to do. And it's like, well, no, just go head-to-head. First line v. first line. Sid wins that battle most of the time still. Yeah, you're talking about like a Patrice Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak line that would beat them, and they beat everybody. So Yeah. Because Bergeron is absurd and Marshawn's excellent and Pasternak is a, what a great compliment to those two. Yeah. But that's the kind of line that they may, and it still wouldn't be an ass kicking. It'd probably wash each other out. Well, yeah. guess what? A team like Boston doesn't have a third line that could match up with a, a skilled third line center and a Phil Kessel. But there's a lot of teams. And we haven't even be- talked about Malkin. And that, yeah, exactly. But that's the difference, though. That's where you 
that's where you make your difference when it gets to the important games of the year. It's having the ability to push, to stretch the other team further. You they either beat have them to down mentally their, too. Yeah. They either have to play their best players for longer, therefore they get tired, or they try to stretch their line out thinner and you can dominate them more because they haven't got all their talent together. So the third line center is going to get browbeat, I think, on this podcast until they sort it out. Because it's either going to suddenly turn this team into something ridiculous, like when they got the HBK line on the go, or they're just going to meander through and, and run it on PDR. Which could always go the other way. I didn't say whether it would be good or bad, PDO. Just that it will be PDO. Yeah, it'll be percentage-driven. Kind of like how the Leafs... Like Buffalo, when they tanked, it was possession tanking. Like they were like a low 40%. Toronto was clever, and when they tanked for Matthews... And don't kid yourself, they did. And it's fine, they should have, because he's amazing. They did it through putting bad goalies in and uh, shooting low shooting percentage guys in. And they got to the bottom. Hadn't actually thought of it that way. It's, it's, they were, they, Toronto was not a bottom barrel Sabres-esque is... possession team. That is what has made their turnaround a hell of a lot easier. Yeah, because they were not a bad Buffalo. team per se. They were intentionally gaming the percentages. Yeah, and and that's the thing. Buffalo now they're trying to maximize them, and yeah, it's going. And pretty Buffalo good. did the right thing and tanked. Just they did it a different way, and you now have to try and regain that possession that you blew out a hole for for Arkham. Yeah, they didn't. They haven't done great with uh, putting it back together, and I don't think it had to be as difficult as they've made it. I thought Murray did a, a bad job with the building the defenseman up. Did a good job getting down. He did a great job in uh, acquiring their top two centers for a long time. That's a tough thing to acquire. And Eichel and O'Reilly are a great combo, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. He just didn't do much else. And, unfortunately, the year they drafted two overall, I don't hate Sam Reinhardt as a player, but I don't think you're getting number two overall um, clout from him. In yeah. fact, I would look to move him for a defenseman. Was he going to play? He's a center. He's not going to be a top six center for them. You could go the three-center approach, but I don't think they have the wingers to. It is, that is one of the problems, off. isn't it? It's like you, you go and have three really good centers at, at one, two, and three at the appropriate levels. you still got to fill the poor bastards out with some wingers, don't you? They need uh, William Nylander's brother to uh, pan out. He's in Rochester here right now. I think it's going to be his third year, too. Who's that? Nylander's brother. They oh, drafted yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Tell you what, though, Middlestad is great. Can't wait to see him play in the uh, NHL. That was a great draft pick, I think. You familiar? 
with him or Middle, no? Middlestat, no. I've heard the name, and I like it just because it sounds cool. He's like a little water bug out there. He's small. He didn't get drafted because he's, he's small. He probably should have gone in the top five. But Jesus. He, he's the one that couldn't do a pull-up. Oh, that's him. Right. <laughs> but you watch him play, and it's like, uh, I don't see a pull-up bar out there, so I think he's good. Hold on, stop the play. He's got to do five pull-ups before he shoots. He's, <laughs> he's slick. Is a, he's he's a type of player that people, casual fans, will gravitate towards because he's interesting, fast, shifty, smart, great hands. I'm bullish on him. So he's in college as a freshman, I believe, this year. Oh, cool. Somewhere in Minnesota or Michigan, I think. Yeah. Hmm. All right. I think we're bad. Done. Not bad for no game plan today. Yeah. It's also hard. Like, we're two weeks in. Nothing's really happened. I mean... I mean, he, he, we joked about Vegas going undefeated and stuff like that, but <laughs> it's tough to make... Be confident about anything that's happening right now. Well, I don't expect the Rangers to be bottom feeder in the Metro and bleed as many goals as they have. Yeah, I mean, we're just going to have to let things play out a little bit here and go from there. Yeah. All right. Well, I got nothing else. Nope. You can find him on Twitter at Gunnerstore. You can find me at Walshy66. You can find his stuff at uh, hockeybuzz.com and anything that's not uh, directly hockey-wise, you can find it at uh, hockeyheads.com. I'll do some writing there. Some suspension stuff starting to come up because, well, because players are competitors and they cross the line. Um, Tom Wilson's eventually going to return, so you might get an article from him at any given time. Yeah, well, that's a guarantee. That'll be three in a year if he does that. In the month. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly right. Um, you can find us on Facebook. Um, you can find us at Patreon, so it's patreon.com. Uh, hockey underscore hurts, I think, is the... Uh, is the web page. Um, have I missed anything else? Social-wise? Uh, um, iTunes rating. I won't tell you oh. how to find the podcast. That's pointless. You're already listening to it. <laughs> but, um, you know, just click a star. If you want to write something, great. But, yeah, five stars, baby. This is a five-star podcast. Finding it hard to believe that there's anything with an Australian in it that's five stars at the moment. Um, yeah, all right. right. That'll do till, it. Till next week. See ya. See ya.